Revolution Show brought to you by SASDOC 2017, the conference to turn your SAS up to 11. In this episode of the SAS Revolution Show, Alex Huma is joined by Ronan Percival, CEO at Forest. Having bootstrapped his SAS for hair salons to 10 million ARR, Ronan gives us an inside look at his talk at SASDOC 17, a no BS guide to achieving $45,000 LTV and a sub 5% churn rate in SMB. And if you're thinking about being part of the gathering of 1,500 SaaS founders and execs next week in Dublin from 18th to the 20th of September, we've less than 100 tickets left to SaaS Stock 17. Ronan will be joined by Des Trainer, CMO of Intercom, Ryan Smith, CEO of Qualtrics, Bill Masitis, former CMO of Slack, David Skoke, Christoph Jans, and 200 other SaaS VCs. The workshops, the parties, the takeaways, the new friends and customers. SaaStock17 is the place to be if you're in SaaS next week. Listeners of the podcast get a 20% discount on tickets with the code SaaStRevolution. Six days and less than 100 tickets left for you to join. Now on with the podcast. Welcome to the SaaS Revolution Show. I'm your host, Alex Suma, and super excited to be joined today by Ronan Percival, founder and CEO of Forest. Welcome, Ronan. Hi, Alex. Yeah, thanks for a million for having me on. No, no, it's a, 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 it. a, a real pleasure. Just uh, good to, uh, to to speak to you today and to see you in uh, in, in ten days' time at uh, at, at SASDOC, uh, SASDOC yeah. seventeen. Um, so you'll be speaking at SASDOC, uh, Ronan, and I thought it'd be mm. pretty cool to uh, have you on the show just before the uh, the conference gets a lot, you know, get to know you a little better because I, I think you're pretty well known within Ireland. Um, I'm, I'm I'm not sure. Uh, how how it's sort of measured, uh, you know, mm. in, in terms of um, you know in the U- European sort of space and uh, and the US, but there's definitely a really sort of interesting story uh, with you and Forrest, and uh, and hence that's why you know you're uh, you're, you're speaking at SASDOC. So uh, we want to get to know you a little better, uh, a bit better, uh, you know, and and really kind of um, maybe go into your talk a little bit as, as well because it's really yeah. interesting and a, a great title too. So uh, sound good to you? Yeah, sounds great. Let's cool. Go. So, like, we all, we always start with you know getting to know uh, our guest. Um, you know, not going to buck the trend here. So, mm. tell me a little bit about who is Ronan Percival. Um, yeah, so uh, I'm the CEO and founder of Forest, which is a, a SaaS company in the SMB space and specialising in uh, solutions for salons. Um, we I originally went to college in in Dublin in Trinity, where. Myself and a guy called Dylan Collins founded a company called Demonware. Um, and then I, I left that to found Forest. Um, and the, some of the reasons why, why I found Forest kind of germinated in there. Uh, so Demonware, um, some people may know it, it was acquired by Activision about 10 years ago. But it was a, it was a, um, a networking middleware company for computer games. And um, it, it wasn't just there, but one of the things about... Uh, selling software to enterprise, which basically was what Demonware was. Um, I, I just, I never really, I didn't connect with that, you know? So, like, uh, I found it hard to to get a kick out of providing software to, you know, a, a large entity um, and not really see the end result or, or, you know, the end result was appreciated by shareholders of, that, of said entity, if, if that makes sense. Um, and, I, w- I was much more interested in building something for smaller companies where you'd actually know the owner or the person using your product and, and they would benefit from it. Um, and because of that, that's where that's kind of where the idea for, for doing Forest germinated out of. And, um, and yeah, so uh, there's 
we, I, I, I ended up working in a salon because uh, I needed money after I left out, I left Humanware. And um, it was while working in a salon that uh, I was just doing it to, to pass the time. But um, it was there that we kind of, I stumbled upon the, the kind of idea of, of how big that industry was and the opportunity for doing software in it. Uh, we didn't think in terms of SaaS in those days, you know, over 10 years ago. But, um, and so we built a little appointment book for, for salon, the salon I worked in that sent appointment reminders. And um, it was like an on-premise little application and that, you know, that went really well. It helped save, you know, cut down on no-shows for that salon. Other salons started ringing and then we just started going deeper and deeper into the salon business um, to become the sort of product that, that Forest is today. Awesome. And you, you mentioned Trinity College there. There's a bit of a, is it a SaaS mafia coming from Trinity? Were you in yeah. the, uh, the the same class or year as uh, Owen McCabe at Intercom, Paul Campbell from Tito? I think there's a few others, but uh... I'm I'm not in the same the same class. Um, but there is a few. I mean, Sean Blanchfield, who was one of the co-founders of Gymware as well, mm-hmm. he's got his own SaaS company now, obviously Pagefair. Um, and then Dylan's gone on to run a couple of companies as well. Uh, his current one has a SaaS offering too, in uh, Super Awesome. So yeah, we had our own little clique. Yeah, I think we're probably a couple, two, three years above those guys, maybe. Yeah. Okay, and, and you, so you, you gave a bit of background there into the the, the founding story of, mm. of, of Forest, and so you mentioned it's like over ten years ago that you've been doing this now. Um, and are you uh, is, is Forest bootstrapped? Have you raised any money? What's the what's the story there? Yeah, so it's it's yeah, like it, it, we we've been on a longer journey for sure than, uh, um, and one of the main reasons is because we we're bootstrapped. So we, when I left Demonware, we uh, like Demonware was venture backed, and um, I left like I left about about a year into Demonware, so I left before the the guys you know did really really well uh, with that with that. But I um, uh, I did that was another thing that I I was I didn't I. The guys did really well, you know what I mean. It's fantastic, but I didn't, I didn't, I didn't enjoy the, that that kind of um, treadmill that seemed to happen, where you take on money and you, uh, you know, it's all about the next milestone. It's not about you know we've just raised we raised like uh, six hundred thousand back you know back in the day um, and uh, seed round for Demonware, and then it was like right, this is what we have to do to raise a million, you know, for the next round. And it wasn't sort of about let's build our product and and do do the company. Do you know that kind of way? It, mm. it, 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 obviously, there was that element in it too. But I, I it just I just didn't fit, sit right with me. I don't I don't know. And you know I know obviously there's so many successful people and businesses and amazing companies that have been built that way. You know, and obviously all the massive ones like Amazon, Facebook, and everyone are built that way. So it's it's clearly it's not that that's bad. You know, but it just I just didn't didn't I, I just didn't see myself doing that for 20 years i just couldn't get couldn't get excited about it so one of the reasons i liked uh doing building something for small businesses as well is that there's less of a sales cycle so you can sell something immediately the person can decide to buy it straight away mm-hmm. um, and it's easier to build a bootstrap company um if you're selling into smbs or small businesses for that reason and there's other problems with it, which I'm sure we'll get to. But like the, you know, that's definitely one of the benefits there. So that was another reason why I ended up building something in, you know, for salons. Um, so we were bootstrapped anyway from for for seven years, and then we did we raised the seed round. Um, you know, we kind of taken it. I, I feel as as far, far as we could go. So we raised the seed round, 
uh, after seven years, we were at about a million in revenue at that point. Um, and to be fair, uh, you know, that's it. We raised a million uh, and that million like did turbocharge us, you know, for mm-hmm. sure. It helped us build out the product way better. Um, it helped, you know, scale up a sales team in the UK. And so that, so it did help us, but we've never raised since then. That was five years ago. So, um, and we've been, you know, we've been profitable since and, uh, and self-funded and growing faster now, you know, than, than we did, we were seven or eight years ago. So there is a certain momentum in the business now after 10 years, like it's, a, it's, you know, we believe we've a really good business model and, you know, we have a really good product and we're improving all the time. So, um, but yeah, so it's an interesting journey that way, you know, so it's kind of both, both shoes, but, you know, ultimately we still own the majority of the company, myself and, and employees still own the majority of the company and we'd like to keep it that way mm. um, and, uh, and go for the long run. And, and we do feel because we own the majority, we can say, yes, we want to go for 20 years and see how far we can take it. And I think it's hard to say, people say that, but ultimately, unless you're like Facebook or someone, you, you don't actually have that control. You know, it's, it's in other people's hands, even if you're, you know, a successful company, if it's venture-backed. You know, um, you know. Ultimately, investors need a return, and so they do. You know, you have to provide that return for them, and that becomes a priority at some point. You know, no, absolutely. So you took it was seven years to get to the one million uh, ARR. Um, yeah, as, as a bootstrap, you took in one million. Um, now, sort of three years later, um, you know, what's uh, if you don't mind me asking, is your your current sort of ARR? So, so yeah, we're at ten million. Uh, uh, this year uh approximately and um yeah and so we're growing we're growing yeah we're, we're growing between 40 and 50 percent a year for the last three years so um so it was pretty, five years ago we had the we did the round but um so pretty good uh, growth in uh, yeah uh, since that that point then yeah no i think i'm like i'm really happy with the growth now because the um you know the company uh, we're growing. We're we're profitable. We're not massively profitable. We reinvest most of what we make back into the company, but it's you know the company is self self financing. You know what I mean? Like we can grow as fast as we can mm-hmm. uh, with the current business model, which is a great feeling to be honest. After the first <laughs> ten years, um, uh, which where you know where you're you're living more hand to mouth. No, absolutely. Uh, uh, so uh, I know all about that. Now, your um, your talk at Sastock uh, has got a great title. Uh, uh, a no uh, BS guide to achieving forty five thousand uh, dollar LTV in a sub five percent churn rate in the SMB space. Yeah. Um, so I, I, what I want to do is, um, you, you know, kind of for the first time, give uh, the, the listeners a, a sneak peek into you know one of the talks uh, at, at Sastock and kind of go into a bit more sort of detail. So. Um, they can actually learn from those that are not coming to the uh, the events, um, you know, from uh, from your particular talk and, and and this topic, and kind of get an insight into kind of what sort of content that we do yeah. uh, at Sastock. So, um, so you mentioned uh, obviously that you know Forest, um, you know, uh, is in the SMB space, and that was something that was attractive to you. You know, short yeah. short sales cycles. You know, um, I, I guess kind of the first question is, you know, why. Why would anyone bother? Why did you bother, you know, building a SaaS business in the SMB space? Yeah, like it's, it's so SaaS, like, like I'm, I'm a big, um, you know, buff on SaaS, like, like probably, well, I don't know, you, you probably outdo me, you know what I mean? But like, you know, I've been reading everything and studying it and, and been doing a SaaS company for, you know, uh, over a decade, right? So, um, but one of the things that I found, you know, one of the things 
generally, I would say about 90% of the success stories in SaaS are enterprise SaaS companies. And, and in the early days, you know, you're kind of, it's all just SaaS, right? So people aren't really making a difference or spotting the difference between them. But now that it's a much more mature ecosystem, um, there is a really big difference between a SaaS company in the SMB space and in, in the enterprise space. And there's sort of pros and cons to, to both. But the major con, I suppose, of SMB SaaS is that it, it's, it's harder to scale because you're, you know, you've got to just sign up thousands more clients. Um, you've got to acquire more clients and you know, what they pay you is so much less. Um, and, and with an enterprise SaaS company, you know, you could have, in some cases, you know, 10 big customers and you're approaching 10 million ARR or something, you know. So, um, so that's obviously, uh, you know, people like that more, you know, the investors like it more. There's a lot more, um, uh, you know, and obviously accountants like it more as well. So, but, so in, 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 in SM, so people stay, sort of stayed away from SMB SaaS for that reason. Um, and, uh, but then the positives are like the reasons, like I have reasons why I like it personally, which like I was giving to, you know, like I preferred helping small businesses cause I could, you know, I associated myself more with them. My father ran his own one man business for years and I just, you know, I, I I'm, I'm, uh, I enjoy seeing them do well using something, but um, but the but the other thing is like obviously the SMB space is the largest business space in the world. I mean, there's hundreds of millions of small businesses, and in each and and there's there's thousands of niches within the SMB space. Each one is has millions of businesses. Each like salons alone, you know, salons is a niche, but there's five million salons worldwide. So it's it's a huge opportunity in its own right. Um, so if you can do do it well in in S and B SaaS, it, it it can be fantastic, and your client base is incredibly resilient as well. So that's the other benefit, say, of having ten big customers. You know, and your biggest customer goes right, we're leaving you. You're kind of screwed. You know, like we would never face that because we, you know, we've thousands of customers, and you know, if our top twenty customers left, we wouldn't notice really. Do you know what I mean? You know, be upset about it, but. <laughs> So from that point of view, it's more resilient and it's the, the opportunities are huge. Do you think churn is, um, you know, or, or managing churn is more difficult in the SMB space than in the, the enterprise space? And, you know, what is a good churn rate, you know, for, for yeah. the SMB space? Well, like inherently churn is more difficult because small businesses go out of business faster, as everyone knows. Um, so from that point of view, you sign up, yeah, 100 customers and 50 of them could go out of business tomorrow. So, so from that point of view, uh, it is harder to manage it. You, it's also harder to manage it because you don't have uh, something that, you know, that we're, we'll probably talk about a good bit is you don't really have account managers in, in SMB SaaS. You can't because, you, can, you know, it doesn't make sense. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, or, you know, the, met, the, the financials don't make sense to pay somebody to just look after a couple of clients. So you've got to spread that out over 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 your whole team, and um, so for that reason, you're not necessarily on top of whether a salon's going to go out of business or whether they or whether they're about to churn. You know, you don't have that personal relationship at the same level with them. Um, so that's two reasons why 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 churn, why churn is a is a big problem. Okay, uh, and, and, and for you, what is a, what is a good churn rate? Um... So yeah, so inside, like uh, they. Like, it's about 3% a month is something, if you search online, if you go into Cora or somewhere like that and you mm-hmm. ask, you know, what's a good churn rate in S&D SaaS, you'll get something between 3 and 5% per month. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I think that's, I, we wouldn't consider that a good rate because uh, if you just think about that, like, you know, like 
4% a month over a year is basically 50% churn annually, right? So you have to be just signing up 50% increasing customers just to stay flat, right? So that's clearly very hard to do. So I think that those churn rates and people say them are really for, um, you know, very high volume uh, freemium services into, into SMB. And mm-hmm. uh, so that's only one type of SMB SaaS, I think. You know, like stuff like maybe Evernote or something like that. You know what I mean? Uh, Things like that. Uh, But yeah, so I would say we, in our experience, we would say about 1% monthly churn is is a good SMB SaaS churn rate. Um, You can certainly build a good business on that. You're churning 12% of your customer base. But, you know, if you're adding growing by 50%, you know, you're more well more than, than, than surpassing that. Who, who looks after churn and LTV at, at Forest? Do you have a customer success team or how is it structured? Yeah, so customer success uh, is very difficult to do in SMB. Um, so, but the, the concept of, of customer success, you know, of, of doing more than just supporting a customer, but helping them actually succeed with your product and maybe succeed with their business as well, is, uh, is certainly very alive and well in our company. And uh, like we would have been thinking that way well before the term customer success is kind of been banded around, which is only really the last three or four years. Like, so we, we've, we just ended up building our own team structure to, to make this happen. And so it's much more like an assembly line um, where in a, say an enterprise SaaS company, you'd have an, what's effectively like a customer success manager, which is really an account manager that, looks after that customer from day one, checks in that they're okay, manages all their queries and everything like that, but there's also trying to make sure that they're trained up and they're using the product and there's engagement and all those things, right? So we've split all those functions into their own teams. Um, and so we would have like, you know, our onboarding team, we have our training team, um, we have our support team, and then we have what we call our grow team. Uh, and uh, those all of them by the grow team are probably self-explanatory what they're doing. You know, you're passing from once the onboarding team is successful with you, you know, you're moving on to the training team. Once you're fully trained, you're moving on to support. So those things are kind of obvious. Um, but the, the, the grow team is probably not as obvious to people, but basically what they do is they help um, our clients engage with the features in the software that generate us revenue. Um, and, um, so they do two things. One, they make sure that the client, this, like the salon in our case, is actually getting good results from those features. So say, for example, it might be sending an SMS marketing campaign. It might be doing their own branded app, which we provide to our clients as well. It's integrated to our system. And so launching that to their clients and getting lots of their clients to book through the app in their salon online uh, or through the app. Sorry. And, um, you know, and it, they're kind of so they're the more engagement they get on those features, the more revenue we make from those features as well. So it's a it's a win win for both us and the client. And so that's why they're called the grow team because it's about helping the salons grow their business and help us grow our business. But that team has been absolutely critical to our company's success the last few years. Um, and there's loads of kind of interesting things that come out of that, Alex. Like you know stuff like um, the more our clients spend with us, the less our churn rate is. Uh, and the more referrals we get, you know, these things are sometimes unintuitive. You think with small businesses that want to save money. Um, so like basically the more we sell to our clients, the happier they are and the more they stay with us and the less they churn. So it's a kind of a, a very positive feedback loop for us, a very strong positive feedback. Loop for us. 
Why do you think, because um, you, you mentioned in, in your notes that too much focus on uh, ACV in uh, you know, annual contract value in SMB SaaS can lead to less revenue per, per customer? Yeah, so it's, uh, yeah, like Alex, basically, like you, you, I mean, you, like before you did SaaS stock, right? You, you were working in enterprise sales yourself, weren't you? Yeah, are you, are you, yeah. So were you doing SaaS sales actually, or was it, was it pre-SaaS? Or was it, kind of it, it was, yeah, it was, it was kind, kind of pre-SaaS actually. So we, we had a, a legacy enterprise software platform that needed to be de- uh, deployed on premise. Uh, and yeah. we, were, we were competing against, you know, SaaS, native SaaS, uh, you know, platforms. So it was a very difficult sell that, um, you know, we were talking about, um, you know, this platform being engineered, uh, I guess, kind of like pre-SaaS, and I think probably, well, just around sort of 2000, um, and, you know, uh, had a lot of success. Uh, it was, you know, multi-million sort of dollar software, you know, yeah. sort of proposition. And then all of a sudden, you know, all the SaaS platforms came up and, you know, we could quickly, or the competitors kind of quickly get you know uh, get the person or company up and running um have a trial you know had had the monthly recurring sort of revenue model and we were like uh, oh no you know mm. even, even to do a demo we will charge you thirty thousand dollars right uh, yeah. <laughs> you know, and then it's going to cost you two million and you have to buy all this hardware and you have to deploy it on premise and it was it, it, it was pretty tough um so that was uh, when so i was hence, hence where you ended up yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. But like the the thing there that what you said there actually leads into this quite well because like basically you you were selling this for multi million you know pounds or euros up front and then you got uh, a SaaS provider is coming in and, and when a SaaS provider like is coming in in the into an enterprise sale like this and um, there's a couple of things at play like one they um, you know they're only charging less per month right so they but but because the client is used to paying you know millions. Um, you know, they're, they're kind of up for signing some long agreement that's kind of going to tie them into to whatever, you know, to a couple hundred thousand a year or whatever it was that, 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 that the equivalent was. So it's, and, and like, so enterprise, um, uh, and then there's another factor, sorry, I play there as well, which is uh, like large enterprises want to have clarity over what their future spend is going to be. So it's kind of in their interest to tie to, it's not just in the cut, the, the, so the, the vendor's interest, the software vendor's interest, but it's also in the, the customer's interest to have like a longer contract. So they know we have, you know, let's say we have NetSuite and that's going to cost us 50 grand a year for the next three or four years. Do you know what I mean? And they, we have that locked in. Do you know, they're kind of happy to have that. Um, so those two th- factors at play kind of lead to a situation where then SaaS companies want to move more up market or they want to increase their, you know, their, uh, their revenue per customer. So they, 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 you know, they increase new packages and it's all about tying customers into 12, 14 month contracts at higher amounts. And, and everyone, you know, everyone involved in that, in that transaction is kind of happy generally with that, with that dynamic. Um, but in SMB SaaS, it, that dynamic doesn't exist. So a, a small business doesn't think two years out, three years out. They just don't think that far, the vast majority of them. Um, a lot of them are thinking only month to month, being honest. So they kind of want to like, they don't want to be tied into a long contract and they don't want to be tied into I'm paying, you know, like a large amount of money every month for what's for them is a large amount of money. Even if they actually end up spending that amount of money every month or even more, they just don't want to be tied into it. Do you see what I mean? So, so what would happen, what we found was that we were, 
if you like, say for example, we have a, it's a hundred, just say it's a hundred euros a month, a hundred bucks a month for, for your service. And say we have these extra services I was, I was mentioning to you, to you there. And that adds up to like another hundred bucks a month. Um, but we've only contracted the first hundred a month. If we went to the, sa- the salons and we've seen other people do this and we've done this and went, right, we'll give you what you're currently paying 200 euros a month or bucks a month for now. We'll give that to you for 150 bucks a month all in if you sign a, you know, a two-year contract. The salons will say no. The vast majority of them will say no, even though it'll save them money. Does that make sense? Yeah. yeah so absolutely. what would happen was you, you, you actually lose sales on that, on that methodology. You know, people are turned off that because they just want to know what I have to pay. And then they'd be happy to pay the rest as long as it's delivering value. And, and you, may, you obviously have to make sure you're delivering that value. Do you know what I mean? Every month. But there's no harm. From our point of view, there's no harm that, we, that, that uh, emphasis is there to deliver that value every month because it just keeps us honest and means that we're always in trying to introduce new things to add more value to increase that. And so we, like that sounds obvious now, maybe when I explain it like that, well, <laughs> hopefully it sounds obvious, Alex. I don't know if that makes no, sense. No, no, I, I, but, but, but we didn't like, we, so we, we wouldn't have known that straight away. But over time, then we realized that like the, the lower that the fixed kind of contracted amount was, the more our clients would spend with us. And it fit, fed into having the grow team as well. I mean, this isn't just a one-off thing. It's like having a team in place. that's constantly working with the salons to get them to succeed, you know, in terms of like promotions or getting clients back more often or spending more in their salons. The more we're doing that, the more services we have available, the more people are happy to add those services and let them run. But you, the difference is you don't want to contract them for, for 12 months. And because we only run it month to month, like it's funny, we, we used to start out two years, we went back down to a year, we now run monthly. And every time we've, what, you know, the accountant or somebody or an investor might go, oh, that doesn't sound good. That kind of devalues the value of the business. The more money we've made, though. Do you know what I mean? So mm. it kind of, it, it works that way. So in, in SMB SaaS, you can get, you because of all the information out there, and like, you know, like you're, we're obviously doing SMB stuff at, at, at SaaS Talk, which is great. Um, and I'm sure there's other SMB stuff as well. But like the, you know, the more, when you're in the SMB space, there is things you, you have to do things differently. And what happens is a lot of companies start and they happen to end up in SMB and, you know, the people on the board did enterprise and they're like, no, no, you have to do this. You have to keep it high, you know, get the ACV up year two, just put it up and the money will come. You know what I mean? You'll lose some customers, but everyone has to be happier. And that works in loads of examples that aren't SMB. So I see and I hear people in SMB doing that because they just think that's the thing to do and it doesn't work for them and it can get be quite hard to come back from it because they don't realize that's the reason it's not working. Do you know what I mean? No, make, make, makes sense. But whilst, um, so just discussing there that, you know, uh, too much focus on ACV and SMB SaaS can lead to less revenue per customer, um, focusing on upselling within your SMB space, uh, you know, can lead to uh, lower churn. You know, what, what, yeah. what examples do you have um, within that, within your customer base? So, well, like we just like our churn rate has been coming down um, every year for the last five years. And at the same time, our, and our, our average bill per month has been going up. Um, and we can see uh, when we, you know, we, we track our churned customers every month. They're kind of, it's announced as sort of a company meeting. And we go through them all with everyone uh, and the reasons why 
And um, you can just see, like, all the ones that churn are all the ones that are on, you know, our average bill, uh, I'll share this, like, our average bill is, like, 210 euros per month, right? So, Mm -hmm. um, and 75 euros of that is contracted. So the rest is all not contracted. Um, But the... uh, the ones churning are all like 75. You know, they're all, the, the customers that churn, we go, what bill are they on? That None of them are paying the large amounts. They're just paying the small amounts. Do you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Yeah. So you, you, like you get the client using all those services, the bill goes up. And then they, the reason is that business will do well because those services, you know, create value for them. Do you know what I mean? And therefore they'll be creating value and then they're less likely to leave. So that's kind of a, just, um, I think a really good way of, of looking at it in SMB and like if you, because ultimately you, you add 10 or 15% to your average bill and uh, you know, that's just 10 or 15% growth without having to acquire any customers. Right. So it's, it's, uh, it's just brilliant. Yeah, no, 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 no absolutely makes sense. And um, so sort of moving on, we've got the final sort of couple of questions before we mm-hmm. um, uh, end the, uh, this episode of the show. Um, there, there are quite a few uh, talks and events happening, um, you know, at SASDOC 17 around internationalization and, you know, crossing yeah. the Atlantic, um, you know, thinking global from, from the beginning. Um, you're obviously uh, yourself, um, you, you know, the, the Forest is uh, HQ'd in, in Dublin. Uh, I think you mentioned you've got uh, like a UK office. What are you doing around internationalization? And, you know, are you planning to, uh, uh, to, to go to the U.S.? Yeah, uh, we, well, <clears throat> so, uh, well, like if you're in Ireland, any, if you're a SaaS company out of Ireland, you have to be international from day one anyway, and we're no different. Um, but we, so we're, but because we're in the space we're in, which is in salons, is quite local. So the salons tend to look to salons around them in their local region or country. And for that reason, uh, we found you, you can't, it's very hard to kind of have, offer this sort of worldwide to everywhere we kind of have to take each region and tweak, tweak the offering both in terms of selling and supporting and everything. Right. So, and the grow team and all that kind of stuff. So, so and then that's even more important when it comes to a new language, so it's not just about translating the product, having the website and letting people self-serve. We've got to provide the grow team, the training team and all these different customer success functions in that language in order to really motor and, and have a business model humming, you know? So, um, so, so we're currently in, um, the UK and Ireland are, are, would, would still uh, be about 80% of our revenues. Um, we're in the US for the last three years in a sort of soft launch phase, but that's really started to kick on this year. Um, so I'll be spending a good bit of time in America now for the rest of this year. And we've got some really good partnerships uh, with some big salon providers and things like that that are beginning to, to produce leads and stuff for us at a, at a really good rate. Um, and, uh, and then internationalization in terms of other countries, we're kind of, got, we're, we're, we're doing the ones that aren't in our language through partners, um, or through agents. Um, so that the agent, we'll train up the agent to do, and, you know, show them how many people they'll need to have at the start to get the thing going, you know, with this grow person, etc. you know? Um, but we'll, uh, and we've been doing that now in Germany and we do it in Finland and we're, we've got about three or four other territories that we're in discussions with. Um, and that's working out really well. Like, so we launched Germany with an agent in, in February and it's, they've already added a couple of hundred customers and it's going really, really well. So, um, 
So that's kind of the way we would look. You know, it's English language speaking. We'll try and do direct ourselves in some way. And then if it's not English language speaking, working with an agent. So I think, um, yeah, I mean, generally it's sort of common uh, or commonly known within SaaS that, you you know, if, if you want to really sort of scale and build a big business, that you have to be international, that you have to be sort of global. If you want to build a 100 million ARR business, mm-hmm. um, I, I can't think of that many exceptions. I'm, I, I want to say that maybe, uh, I mean, I know MailChimp, SMB space, I think they're 400 yeah. million uh, in revenue yeah. and I think they're all in Atlanta um, but it, I mean the, the product is global but I think everybody is yeah. in in one location which is interesting and I know in Europe I mean at, at the lower end of the scale I think Typeform they're probably around 13 yeah. in yeah. revenue and everyone's in Barcelona but I think I think there'll come a point when they uh, they they crack the US uh, as well but uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean talking of uh, 100 million uh, ARR when there's uh, yeah, what's our plan? It was uh, <laughs> seven years to one million. Yeah, uh, yeah. another three to ten million, uh, which is pretty good going. So, two, another two years to hundred million. Yeah, I, I, I don't know about that. Um, we're certainly giving our best shot, but we we have a plan. Like basically, we have a plan. What you want to do in obviously a lot of different SaaS companies, but particularly in SMB as well, is that we have four thousand customers now. When we get to about thirty thousand customers, um, that will be about hundred million AR. Um, and it'll also allow us to be a platform, you know, with 30,000 customers all in one vertical. Mm-hmm. There's lots of things that, you know, um, we can work with other suppliers in our space that would really want to have access to that. And we could do some really good things for the salons themselves to help them grow their business using with the suppliers adding apps and things or, or lots of other things. So that would be our, our goal is to build that. Um, and I think we, we, we have a plan internally to do that over, over five to six years. Um, so yeah, that's the plan. Five to six years. But, okay, uh, uh, give uh, it a good shot anyway. Uh, so uh, Intercom might get to hundred million uh, uh, before you guys. There's no personal yeah, rivalry no. between you, you and no. Yeah, yeah. Okay, no, I'm sure they will. They're just <laughs> they're an inspiration for everyone. So it's cool. yeah, no, definitely. And um, so um, uh, we can, we've come to the end of the show. Um, obviously, uh, we're going to see you at Sastock and. Uh, with the, uh, the the no BS guide to achieving forty five thousand uh, dollars LTV and sub five percent churn rate in the SMB space, so uh, looking forward to that. And thanks for the insights, um, you know, to that particular talk uh, uh, today. Um, where can people find out more about you online? Where can they find and follow uh, Road and Percival? Um, the best place would probably be we have a blog called nothingventured.rocks, which is the where we share stories of building a sort of bootstrap SaaS company and internationalizing product management, all those things. Um, and lots of stuff around SMB, ACV. So what we call ARV, mm-hmm. you, know, we, you know, we do some really good posts around that as well. Um, so that's the best place to, to go. Um, and then personally, I'm on Twitter on Ronan Percival, at Ronan Percival. So that's another place. Okay, very cool. And, and I have to say, I mean, I started following your your blog, uh, you know, over the last few months and it, and it, and it is pretty awesome. So it comes with a, a strong, uh, stamp of approval from, uh, from me. And we'll link to that within the, uh, the, the notes of this, uh, this podcast. So Ronan, thanks very much for your time. Looking forward to seeing you at, uh, at SAS stock in, uh, in, in 10 yeah. days. And good luck, uh, Alex. Yeah, yeah. It, I'm sure it go really well. Yeah. Yeah. Cheers, Ronan.
Don't forget, listeners to the SaaS Revolution Show can get a 20% discount on tickets to the SaaS Doc 2017 conference with discount code SASREVOLUTION.